0: Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9:30 a.m. or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 10, uh, what we just read on the screen. Here at our church, we, we preach um, in an expository form where we take verse by verse through Scripture, um, and we believe that's the way that God intended it. As God's Word speaks, um, there's a narrative that takes place across all of Scripture where we can follow it verse by verse by verse and we don't have to pick and choose because God's word speaks for itself in its entirety. And so as we come to 1 Samuel this morning, chapter 10, we've, uh, we've been journeying through the first night. Pastor John hit hey, last week. We were kind of at a major transition time um, in the life of the nation of Israel as a whole, but then also um, in this new uh, character on the scene that, that came onto the scene last week named Samuel. And so today, I just want to start us off with one big idea, one big point that's going to kind of be the foundation as we walk through our passage this morning. And I want to, I want to just read this and have you listen to it. So when God gets involved, man's ordinary plans become submissive to God's extraordinary plan. That's going to be our big idea for this morning as we walk through this passage, because I just kept coming back to that. I'm like, wow, when God gets involved... In an individual's life, our, our ordinary plans become submissive to God's greater, more extravagant, more extraordinary plan for our lives. So, what do I mean by that? Ordinary, in the definition, is commonplace or standard in society. Another word for that might be typical. Okay? So you say, now, now many of you may not recognize this, but we we watched this happen this morning. What this big idea is, we watched. Four individuals were God for a specific purpose at a specific time. They were heading down a path of life, and he intervened in their lives and said, you are my child. He He came across the path of their life, and we witnessed that, a beautiful picture of um, an outward expression of inward experience in four people's lives today. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, you might say, how how, how can we define what is ordinary, typical, or normal for a person? That, that's kind of bold, isn't it? Um, so When you start trying to put labels on things um, in our society, you know, you're like, Man, you're, I'm not speaking with a broad stroke, but when it comes to scripture and say, okay, what is the ordinary path for individuals? See, we're all bound by time, okay? Most of us in this room were born, okay? Most of us in this room will die, okay? This is like science, okay? Um, okay that's what's going to happen. We're all bound by these things, okay, by time. And so you say, how can you define what is ordinary or typical or normal for a person? And and so I want to just direct you to, I'm going to read these verses, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, okay? Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only how many? How many? A few find it. That's the normal path. That's the typical path for every person that's born and then dies in this world is they enter the the broad gate. They follow the wide road where many, many, many walk down this road, but very few find the narrow gate where there is life, where there is life. For some reason... By God's grace, okay, he intercedes at different times with people all around the world on a daily basis. And he intercedes by his grace and he says, you're mine, you're now my child. I have a better, greater, more important plan for your life starting now. A new path, a new plan, and a new purpose. So this morning we saw people, okay, we saw four individuals who were living ordinary lives. The typical life pattern of of everyone that's born in. And God extraordinarily worked in their lives And we got to witness that. That is a beautiful thing. And so when we come into this passage this morning, we see that Israel as a nation, as a whole, has spent the last 250 years hearing the word of the Lord, hearing the word of God and rejecting it. Different prophets. We are coming to an end of an era in a nation where the voice of the prophets have, have, they haven't lost their power, but no one's listening to them. They're rejecting, literally, we have the Bible today. So we have God's spoken word. In the Old Testament, God's spoken word came out of the mouth of his prophets. And so that's how they, and so we're coming to an end where Israel has now said, you know what? I'm done with this whole idea of God being our leader, God being who we worship, God being who we're all about, who defines us. And we want a king. And we want a king. And we talked about the decisions that are going to, Pastor John hit this, like your decisions are going to have consequences. Israel's desire to put a a human king before them and on the throne of their hearts is gonna have major repercussions. And we're gonna see that as we begin to study and continue to study 1 Samuel. But we see Saul also come onto the scene in this powerful thing. And so we read the passage today. There's, There's no indication, okay? There's absolutely no indication that Saul had any spiritual intuition before God intervened and changed the course of his life. I mean, think about that. That happens so many. A lot of times when we read different uh, stories in scripture, we kind of just like forget the part that this person was on a completely different path away from God and God interceded and says, listen, I got something greater for you. We just kind of forget that part. And here's Saul. Okay, he's just doing an ordinary task. What was it? What were the animals that he was searching for last week? Everybody remember? Donkeys. Donkeys okay. Um, <laughs> Living in an agricultural society, farming was a major thing. I'm sure that like this wasn't the first time that his dad was like, hey, there's animals lost. Can you go find them? Okay, This wasn't the first time this happened. This is just an ordinary, mundane day. And then we saw what happened last week. And, and why can I say he didn't have any spiritual? Well, there, there's different indicators. First of all, we're going to see in this chapter that when Saul began to change, people around him were like, what happened to that dude? Something's different about this guy. Then the other thing is his servant goes, hey, let's go up to the high place and let's talk to this guy named Samuel. Uh, He didn't know who Samuel was. Samuel was the the last lone loud voice for God in the nation of Israel. There was other prophets prophesying, but Samuel was the voice of God. And Saul was like, all right, let's go see if we can talk to this guy, uh, Samuel, so he can help us find our donkeys. Like that's where he was um, in his spiritual life at the point of entering Our passage. So we're going to pick up, we're going to watch something amazing happen to Saul. Just like we saw something amazing happen um, and saw the the effects of of what God has done in the hearts of our brothers and sisters in our body. We're going to see something amazing that God does in the life of Saul. And so there's five things that are going to happen. Five things in Saul's life that are going to happen as a result. So I want to go back to chapter 9 and we're going to look at the last verse from last week. So go to 927 if you're following with me. And it says, um, as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to pass on before us. And when he had passed on, stop here for yourself for a while, that I may ta- that I may make known to you the word of God. That I may make known to you the word of God. So what's the catalyst for Saul's um, change in his life? Okay, remember, he's heading down this normal path. He's looking for donkeys, okay? That's all he's doing. Um, he's Obviously, it says that he was taller um, than anyone else in his size. So God had set him apart for this. He was a good-looking dude, it sounds like. But other than that, he was looking for donkeys, okay? And it says that something changed, something he encountered began this process of him changing. And it says it last week at the very last verse, the passage on it says, Stop here, Samuel says to Saul, and I want to make known to you the Word of God. The Word of God is often the catalyst for our for how God begins to change people. And this is where the starting point, remember, the word of God wasn't the Bible at this point. The word of God was speaking through Samuel and saying, Saul, I have a message for you. I have a message for you. So number one, Saul heard the word of God in chapter nine, and then we see 10 unfold. The first 16 verses here, we're gonna see what happens when he hears the word of God. So look in verse one. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. Here's the beginning. So the second thing that happens is Saul is set apart for a specific plan, for God's plan, for God's mission, for God's purpose for Israel. Um, Anointing back then was purely symbolic. Okay, it would have been... Olive oil, like we have in our cabinets, with a, like some mint, cinnamon, different things. It smelled good. And it was just a symbolic thing. Up to this point, only priests were anointed. Now, here we have our first king who's going to be anointed. Oil is going to be poured over his head. This is a private ceremony now, just between him and Samuel. Eventually, there's going to be, we're going to see um, in the next section of scripture, we're going to see the coronation, the public um, declaration that Saul is now king. But here we're at, he's anointed set apart. But it was a beautiful picture of, like, listen, I have a plan for you. And what was his pure purpose? His pure purpose was to defeat the Philistines. Uh, there wasn't, like, it wasn't other than that. Like, God's like, I have set you apart. I want you to defeat the enemies of my people and protect them. Like God has a, had a mission for him. When God anoints, he has a mission. And here is Saul's mission. Saul is set apart for God's plan. Number three, this is where it gets fun. So, we read through the whole passage. I want us to jump down to verse 9 because there's a lot of things that happen, okay? Every one of these things, signs that happen, we could spend a lot of time on. There's a lot of symbolism, but some of it's not concrete. But I want us to jump down to verse 9. So, they have their conversation, okay? They anoint him. Samuel says, Here's what's going to happen today. Here's some things, some signs, we'll come back to that, that is going to happen. Then we get to verse 9, and what do we say? When he turned his back to leave Samuel, so he's going away from him, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. What did he give him another of? A heart. What did he give him another of? heart. Wow. So the word of God comes out of nowhere, intercedes Saul's life of finding donkeys, says, I have a mission for you. He finishes the conversation and turns away and it says, Saul was a new person, basically, had a new heart. He was a new person. And how do we know this? So go down to, it's just amazing. Like there was actual tangible things. Verse 11, follow with me. And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, what has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, and who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. So people began to talk. People began to pass it on. Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. So there is a noticeable difference in Saul's life because of the anointing, because of God's word. There is a, a new person that is emerging God is preparing him for his mission. Then the fourth thing that takes place is Saul was strengthened by seeing certain specific promises, signs come true in Saul's life that showed God was faithful. So, what are some of those signs? We read through them this morning. (laughs) Literally, okay, God says, I'm going to set you apart for this mission. And then here's what I'm going to do I'm going to blow your mind with some very specific things that are going to happen today. This is going to happen. This is going to happen this is going to happen. And what is he doing? What is God doing through Samuel for Saul? He's strengthening his faith. So this is a beautiful thing. God doesn't just say, hey, Saul, I got this mission for you. Good luck. Go defeat everybody. You got this. Um, Go do it. He says, no, I'm here. I'm faithful. I'm going to walk before you. And let me just prove it to you. Let me just show you what I'm going to do and so you see all through the first eight verses, there's different things that'll happen. Just take, for example, um, let's go to, uh, then you shall, verse, verse three. Then you shall go, from the, go on from there farther and come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. All right, if, I, if, I, if God told me that was gonna happen, like, it would be a really interesting journey to the place I was going. Like, everyone that walked by, one bread, four pieces of bread. You know, like, oh, two two things a lot. Like, no, he's, he's going in faith, anticipating, like, is this actually going to happen? And it's so detailed, okay? It's so detailed. It says, one's going to have young goats, another's going to be carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. Like, just, just imagine that, Okay? God tells you this is going to happen. You go and these these three people come at you and you're doing the math in your head. Yes, yes, yes. Everything that God said is going to happen. And it'll be like, he's going to hand me two pieces of bread. Boom. He hands you two pieces of bread and you're like, wow. Like my faith is being built up in amazing ways. Like God just did that. Okay. Can you imagine the excitement being built up? Like he was looking for donkeys. Okay. And that next day he's like, three loaves of bread. They're going to hand me two wow, look at what God is doing. He's walking before me. And then there, every one of those, I wish we could take time. If we, had, we will have second hour equipping coming up in September, and we'll be able to take the second hour and unpack our message. When you start walking through each one of those signs, um, this was God's providence, okay? In this culture, okay, it was so, so important for a son to, to, to be in a position to take over his father's household. Now, what was his father worried about? He's like, Go find the donkeys, but then he began to worry about Saul. And what does God do in his providence? He says, "Listen, your father's going to be okay. I'm now taking care of you. I now have a new mission, a new plan, an extraordinary plan for you. I'm going to take care of your daily provisions. Here's the bread that you need. Every one of these in these verses, going to the oak of Tabor, Rachel's. T- Every one of these have like amazing meetings. So I would encourage you if you just want to be built up." and encouraged about what God's doing in this passage, go back and research some of the cool things that are happening as we see this. And so number four, Saul was strengthened by seeing specific promises, signs come true. God's faithfulness was on display. Verse nine says, and all these things came to be. You can trust me, God's saying. So number five, verse 10, follow me. It says, when they came to Gibeah, Behold, a group of prophets met him and the spirit of God rushed upon him and he prophesied among them. Now this can be really confusing for us today because you're like, what just happened, okay? In the Old Testament, okay, God worked at specific times with specific people and he poured out his spirit on them. And then there would be often times when he would take his spirit away. So what's the, what's the difference? For us in the New Testament, okay, we begin a relationship with God. What are we promised? We're promised an indwelling of the spirit. In fact, it goes even further. Jesus says, it is going to be good for me that I leave you and go away because I am sending one greater, a helper that is going to indwell you. So just think about that for a second. So it's different now. We get an indwelling of the Holy Spirit who there walks with us daily. But here in this passage, we see that the Spirit of God, here's how God worked in the Old Testament. I want to accomplish something, boom. I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon them. And they're going to do amazing things in my name. And so that's what just happened in this this setting. Saul was given power by the Spirit to accomplish amazing things. Now, when we uh, can look at this whole story, and so I walked through these different things, and whenever I begin to study a passage, I, I force myself to sit down, and I take a, a three-by-five card, uh, and I just, I, I just read the passage, and I write down thoughts, because I love the, the research. Like, it's fun once you start getting into it, and saying, all right, what does this commentary say? What, what does this actually mean? What are parallel passages? But I think it's so important, and this is, even in our time in the Word, just to sit down and just read and write down what God tells you um, through, through His Word. And so as I was studying this passage and saying, all right, what does this mean? I kept coming back to three things. One is a question. Why did God waste time with Saul? Like, why? Why? We, we know the rest of the story. If you, if you know the scriptures, okay, let me just, if you, if you don't know the rest of the story, Saul is going to end up against God altogether. He's going to turn, he's going to harden his heart against the things of God and walk away from God. And so I sit there and I go, like, why? Could, now, there's a prophetic element to this because the house of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin was going to be a part of this, and then who, it's going to be replaced by the tribe of Judah, which is David, and then Christ is going to come through the line of David, all prophecy things. But then I sit there and go, why don't we just start with that? God, in your plan, why were you doing what you were doing? That's my, my skepticism of like, God, why are you doing this? And so I came to two verses. As we look at the big picture, so there's the, the thing that's happening in Saul's life. But then you look at the big picture of what's taking place and God intervening here and executing just his amazing plan for the people of Israel. I was taken to Romans 8.28. And it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called, what? According to his purpose. We love the first part of that verse. It is like sweet t-shirt material, coffee mug material. And we know that all things just work to good because I love God, you know? Um, And they're great. Like God gives us comforting passages. I'm not mocking the comfort side of that. But we often like, there's a part A and there's a part B just just follow it a little further because when we stop with comfort, okay, we're in trouble. It says, and God works all things <laughs> according to his plan, his purposes. Then I was taken to Psalm 23, another great passage of comfort. A psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for what for his name's sake. There's like just amazing truth that can be found in watching what took place in in Saul's life when you realize that like God was responding to a greater problem. God didn't say, God didn't ever design it for man to reject him and say we want a human king. He was saying listen, I want to be your king. This is my plan. They rejected him and God had to intervene and say all right, it's time for me to come on the scene. And so you take verses like that. Just remember, okay, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in the comfort of something and say, but, but this is all part of God's greater purpose and greater plan. And we see that unfolding. We see the absolute authority of God to work according to his purpose. If you have true faith, okay, you have to have true confidence that God's plan is the best plan. How hard is that? I mean, seriously, when life hits you, when things happen, how hard is it to say confidently, okay? I know I'm a person of faith, but God, I take confidence that your plan is the best, even though right now I'm sitting here going, what are you doing? What in the world are you doing? Like, what is your purpose? What is your extraordinary plan? I know it's there, but here's the cool part though, okay? And I want to translate this. If God's done a transforming work in your life, if you're sitting here today, a child of God, he's made you a new creature, a new person, something amazing, like God has God changed? Yes or no? We should have more confidence. Has God changed, yes or no? No, okay, he has not changed. So therefore, okay, if he's working in the Old Testament and he's intervening in people's lives, their normal, ordinary lives, and saying, I have something greater for you. He did it in the life of the nation of Israel. He did it in the life of so many different, awesome Bible characters. I mean, the really cool Bible characters are in the Old Testament. They just did amazing, extraordinary things, but it was God working through them. So if we sit here this morning and God's done an amazing work in our lives and transformed us, then we can say, God doesn't change. So let's just put this to the test, okay? Let's see if God has changed from what the story of what he did in Saul's life and just walk through for us today. So what started Saul's journey? What was the first thing that happened? Saul heard the word of God. Let's fast forward to Romans. Paul's writing, he says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ or the gospel or the word of God. Like the gospel is summed up in the New Testament as the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. That's the catalyst. That's the changing point. That's when God's plan comes to fruition in our lives. He says, listen, faith comes by hearing. What was the second thing that happened to Saul? He was set apart for God's specific plan and purpose in the life of Israel for that time. Fast forward to the New Testament. 1 Peter 2.9, God's doing a work He's working on Peter. Peter's like, I want to hold on to the Jewish traditions. Like, he's like, I'm a traditionalist. This is the way we've always done it. God's working in his life. And he, he opens his eyes through speaking to him. And here's what flows out. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Amazing thing. Like when we hear the word of God and God begins to, to intercede in our path, we now have a new purpose. Like, just like Saul, he went from finding donkeys to being the king of Israel. Man, we have the same amazing thing. That says, Listen, you're walking down this path, I'm interceding. You are now chosen for a higher purpose. You are supposed to make like declare that I am marvelous light. You are marvelous light, he says. We have this new amazing identity. Then what was the third thing that happened? Saul uh, was, became a new person, okay? God's word began to change him. It was an amazing work that happened. We see it there. Saul was a new person. And it was all because of what Samuel had spoken to him and what God wanted him to hear. 2 Timothy 3.16, beautiful words. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. And it teaches us to do what is right. It's an amazing thing, like when God's word begins to change us and become a new person. I don't know if you ever just stop and reflect. Sometimes, like my mind goes to like weird things, you know, like what would my life have been without Christ? Like sometimes I just I don't know why I just sit there and go like if 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 things hadn't lined up the way in God's plan, like where would I be? I, sometimes it's a scary place to go, but every once in a while, not to reflect on your past, but it's good to be like man. Let me just see the mile markers of God's transforming work in my life and see what he's done to bring me to this point. Not that I've arrived in any way, shape, or form, but to say, man, I have a new mission. I have a new identity, and look what God's done in my life. Scripture has the ability to reprove us, correct us, and to transform us. So number four, Saul's faith we see next was Saul's faith was strengthened by seeing God's promises come true. This is an amazing thing about salvation, okay? We're we're changed, we're a new person, we have a new path. What if it just stopped there? Like you ever think about that? Like what if you just stopped there and then how confusing our Christian lives would be if if it just stopped right there. You okay, you have a a new found faith. God does an amazing work in your life and then there's no more direction. Man, but he doesn't do that. He gives us promise after promise after promise just like he gave Saul, Saul in one day saw all these different like crazy things happen. I guarantee that we have amazing things happen in our lives on a day-to-day basis. If we're looking for it, if we see it where we say that promise is true, that promise is true. Then he also gives us the gifts to do it, okay? The fruit of the spirit. Think about like, I always wonder, I don't know when the transformation happened, but like I was an angry kid, okay? I was an angry kid. And this past week, um, it's been really tough because our three-year-old, um, Brayden, is, is transitioning. Like, he had temper tantrums before. This is a whole nother level of temper tantrum, okay? Like, we're removing, like, he had this, like, TP in his corner, arrow theme, you know, it was cool, like, two years ago. Um, he has, like, this TP thing in his room. And the other day, we were like, you need to stay in your room. Like, you've been bad. And when we heard this loud clunk, we knew the TP had gone down, okay? It was war, okay? And we're just sitting there, and I'm like, man, like, that's some generational stuff he's facing right now, because I was an angry child, and I just want to call my mom and be like, I'm sorry, mom, okay? And, but I see it, like, I see it in him, but I don't know when it was, but, like, praise God by his grace. Like, I got other issues, but anger is not one of them anymore, because God has sanctified me and is continuing to sanctify me and remove some of those strongholds that were in my life. I mean, I remember even going through junior high school, man, my anger didn't look different. I wasn't throwing things, but oh man, was I bitter. Oh man, was I angry towards the church, towards things that were going on in my face. Like I was just bitter. And somewhere along the line, I don't don't even know when it was. I know when God broke me in, in college, there was like a breaking point, but along the way, he was also changing me constantly. Man, that... Saul had an amazing, like, God was changing him for his purpose, and he's doing the exact same thing in your life as you sit here now. We are our biggest critics. We don't always see it. That's why it's good to live in community, because we can be like, Luca, God is changing you. Your wife might not say it. I might. (laughs) you may not feel it, but God is doing a work in your life, and that's why we live together, and we build one another up, and we stir one another up to say, man, God is doing amazing things in your life. I I love the hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. And if you know the chorus, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. There's some songs it's hard to read because you just go into song and I'm not going to do that to you guys. But it says, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. I love that simplicity of that chorus because it's like, morning by morning, your mercies are new. Do we experience that? Do we see that? That's what builds our faith, and that's what God was doing in those initial stages of Saul. He's like, listen, I got a mission for you. I want to build your faith. I'm going to, over the next few days, I'm going to do amazing things in your life and show you what I have for you. Then the last thing uh, that we saw happen in Saul's life, he was given power by the Spirit. And you know where I'm going with this. I mean, we we talked about how it worked, but Acts 1.8, and here's what happened. Christ ascends to heaven. The early church begins in Acts The promised one, the the helper is coming. Jesus says, I'm leaving so that I can send someone to help you. What an amazing thing. Like this is Jesus saying, listen, I'm leaving because I need to, because I'm sending someone that's that's, going to help you. That's going to be an amazing help to every individual, every one of my children, and I'm going to help you. And so we see in Acts one eight it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That, that verse I was talking about, John 16, 7, says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. He uses the word advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Wow. It's an amazing, amazing truth when we look at this. I'll close with this. If you're, if you're here today and God, I mean, just think about Let's go back to that uh, that first slide the promise the big idea for this morning we can go to the big idea that we, we started with and the idea that when God gets involved okay when he just when he chooses in his plan to get involved man's ordinary plans become submissive to God's extraordinary plan we saw it in the life of Saul from looking for donkeys to becoming the first king of Israel, that God was using for a greater purpose. His will, his plan, was Saul's anointing and becoming the first king of Israel. We know the domino effect of what it would lead to. Ultimately, it's leading to the, the one true king, priest, prophet, Jesus Christ, coming to save all of mankind. But we see God working according to his purposes. So if you're here today, and God has, by his grace interceded in your life and got involved in your life and you have a personal relationship with him, I'll just ask you this simple question for today. Are your plans submissive to his plans? Are your plans submissive to his plans? It's so sad to see so many people who, I'm glad God has to sort this stuff out, but they they seemingly come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. They're excited. God does amazing things in their life. They're growing. And then Along the way, different things come in the way, obstacles, where their plans become more important than God's plan for their life. It's heartbreaking. It's sad. But so many times, I think I'm I'm guilty in a lot of ways of saying, you know what, God? My plan and this one's better than your plan. Whereas if God's doing amazing things in our life, we're submitting our plans to his greater plan. If you don't know Christ and you don't have a personal relationship with him, uh, this this big idea here is where the gospel comes in. And maybe you can feel God saying today, like, listen, I'm doing a work in your life. Like, I have a greater purpose and plan for your life. But listen, the path that you have, your desire for ordinary of this world, the sin that you've put on the throne of your heart above me, like maybe he's saying today, I want you to repent of that. I want to break that down. And I want to tell you that I have an extraordinary, amazing, amazing plan for your life. I will be up here up front. I would love, after our last song, to talk with you or pass you off to someone who would love to just sit down and talk with you. Like, like if this is confusing and you're like, or God's working, you know it, okay? You might come in here and you will be like, I, I get this. I've heard this before. Man, may the Spirit of God work and convict you. If this is, like, confusing, please come talk. God has an amazing, amazing plan. And we see it all through the Old Testament. Where this, I mean, it's not going to stop. When we start getting further and further into Saul and how God used him for his greater purposes, I mean, there's some weird stuff, but there's some really cool stuff where we're just like, man, God was so a part of the nation of Israel. And now what does that look like for the believer today? It is a beautiful thing. He does these exact same steps that he did with Saul. He anoints us. He sets us apart for a mission. He pours out his spirit on us. He gives us his word okay to transform us and make us new. Man, you know when Saul goes back and his friends are like, is that the son of Kish? Was that the right word, Clarence, Kish? Kish, that's the son of Kish? What's going on with that dude? Like he is different. Great litmus test for where you are at with your relationship with Christ. If you can walk around and people are like, don't notice anything different with you, there is something wrong, okay? Blinking red lights, that's the first thought to be like, I need, I should be there. Not that you're walking around like, You guys know what I mean. I'm not taking it to the extreme where you're like walking to the lunchroom at work every day and you're like, hey, can I read some verses out loud? But your life should be a testament to what God is doing inside of you on a daily basis. And that's what began, Saul's leadership didn't begin with him getting up and giving political speeches. It began with God doing a work in his heart and people began to recognize that, man, this guy is anointed by God. He has a mission and we're gonna follow him. And God will do the same thing in our lives if we submit our plans, that his will. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for these stories that seemingly sometimes seem confusing, but man, they are so rich with truth. We're thankful for what you're doing in our lives, God. May your word go out powerfully today in your name. Amen.